Hey, welcome to another episode of the DGen Cast. Uh, it's Rich Sponholtz and Jamie Estep of the Hacks. Uh, we we're, we're just talking about the BNR announcement today. Uh, so, um, hey, Rich. Yeah, Rich. Yeah, what's up? How much can you suck at your job and still keep it? Ask Watsi R and D and play design. That's, oh, that's, <laughs> <laughs> hey. All right, that so. wasn't scripted at all. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> so we had a, uh, a BNR announcement on Monday. Uh, so 11-18-2019, if you were listening in the future after Rich and I die in a car wreck. I'm just, I'm imagining how <laughs> how play design after uh, EW and everything had to like walk into work on Monday morning, like with shifty eyes, just like. Please don't fire me, Jesus Christ! Please don't yeah, fire me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's got to be one of those like you just show up and your ass cheeks are clenched the yeah. entire time. Just like, am I the one that gets told to box my shit up before the end of the day? Or like, what? It wasn't. Uh, I don't think it was a uh, like an MPL event. Or I, I, admittedly, and we're going to talk about this a little bit. Uh, n- neither of us really follow the whole like standard scene uh, or any of that stuff. I, I typically watch so. I watch some of the pro tour anytime sure. it's on. Um I, I typically will watch a couple rounds. I don't think um, it was a pro tour. It might have been a pro tour. Um where it was just like all Oko all the time. <laughs> and yeah, it was everybody it was. just that's, had that's to what wander I'm referring in. to. It was a, it was after the um it was after Eternal Weekend. Yeah. Um that's what before it was. SCG Con win or after SCG Con winner. And then the BNR happened because that was when they decided to pull standard from the invitational. That's right. And go with Pioneer and Modern because of the standard state was of, a fucking dumpster fire. Yeah, like I mean, how do you? I understand you're trying to sell packs, but shit, when like well, you know going into that, it's going to be like sixty something plus percent of the metagame is going to be based on one card. Right. So uh, that that leads pretty great into the uh, the discussion here. So. Um, we had a BNR announcement uh, on uh, November eighteenth, which was this past Monday. If you're listening to uh, to this in the future and want to know how uh, how close we are to this, it's currently uh, Thursday, so you can do your own math on the date. Uh, so in standard, Oko Thief of Crowns, Once Upon a Time, and Veil of Summer are banned. In Brawl, Oko was banned. No one gives a fuck. It's not a real format. Yeah, not a real format. Whatever. Uh, Legacy, uh, Renin Six or uh, Renin Dix, as you've uh, you've come to call it. Yes. Um, yes. And uh, in Vintage, we actually see Vintage mentioned for two BNRs in a row, with Narset Parter of Veils uh, getting restricted. Yep. Um So we'll we'll touch briefly on the standard ban uh, and the fact that standard had just become all Oko all the time. Well, the thing that surprises me is that, so for the last three years, they have constantly had to ban cards in, in standard. And if you think about the time frame before that, so when I came back in 2011, up until about 2016, there was what, one card banned and maybe yeah. one card banned in standard. And we've had what, 10 cards banned in standard, if not more, over the last three years. Yeah, like, before, I don't remember whether it was Aetherworks Marvel or uh, Emrakul was banned first out of the two. Prior to that point, 
the last standard bands were Stoneforge Mystic and uh, Jace. Jace the Mind yeah. Sculptor. Um, so it, it had been a while. What, like 2010? Uh, you know, something so. something similar to that. Or somewhere close. The- 2009, 2010, something like that. And it just surprises me that, you know... They say that they play test this shit well, and they pay people to play test this shit. And yet they keep having this problem. Like, I think they're just trying to push the envelope a little too hard on this power creep that seems to be happening since like 2015. I mean, I, th- I know you and I have talked about this is that it seems like the power creep with creatures, planeswalkers, but like instance and sorceries. There, there's just not answers for a lot of this stuff. Right. Like, you know, granted, in actual eternal for- formats, we have things like swords to plowshares and, you know, very powerful removal spells. We don't need we ha- new answers. We, we already have those. <laughs> yeah, we already have, like, the best answers for creatures that, you know, they gave us Fatal Push in black. We've got Abrupt Decay. Yeah, every now and again we get a new tool. Yeah, we get a new tool. And it seems like the, the, the metagame was really balancing out... After the, you know, Deathrite Shaman ban last August, you know, the format seemed to be really in a in a good place. Or maybe it was July that they banned it, and August was the GP. But they banned it in Legacy. It seemed like the format was in a good spot. That was way earlier in the year. I thought it was, like, March no, I think it was No, I think it was a little later. But it seemed like they had fixed things in Standard. Standard seemed to be doing well. They were actually having, you know, Standard GPs on, like, 2020. And they just... We rely, you know, whether we play eternal formats and we play standard or not, we do rely on standard right. for car- cards to come into the format, to get players into the game, and to continue, you know, wizards continue in the game. Because, you know, not going to lie, standard fails. Um, the game, magic as fails. we know it, yeah. magic fails. You know, it's not to say that people aren't going to still play magic, but... It, but there just, won't be anything new, like for for yeah. the continued success of uh, of the game and Wizards of the Coast and everything. We we do rely on on the existence of standard and the success of standard, and so it's it's nice to see them personally. Um, and it, it's something they they'd mentioned about a design philosophy change um, in the recent past about pushing the envelope a little more. And because those cards tend to touch the formats that we care about. I'm okay with them doing it to an extent, um, but you know, as as with anything, when you uh, when you're trying new things, it takes a little while for you to dial it in. So I'm okay with things like this happening as long as they do exactly what they're doing and they don't ignore it. Well, you know, them pushing the envelope is one thing. Them just putting the pedal to the floor and hoping that there's not a guardrail they're going to slam into sure. at 100 miles an hour are two totally different things. And I, I feel like 2019 was the year of... Of the guardrail? <laughs> of the guardrail, yeah. I mean, we have seen more bannings, restrictions throughout multiple formats. And it just seems to me like that they don't have their finger on the pulse of the game because I know that just what I've seen on Twitter and Facebook and groups and talking with players whether it's people that play modern, they play standard at my local shop, um, they're all frustrated with what what the the game has has looked like starting in the last like three years. And so you're saying that thirty five planeswalkers was a bad idea. I am saying that thirty five planeswalkers would be like putting thirty five landmines near the entrance of the building. 
um, somebody's going to get fucked in the long run. So that, you know, it's just one of those, I, I hate to say it, but I, I feel like that they actually, they need to dial it back. Um, they fucked up when they did Theros, when they tried to dial back the power level of things after Return to Ravnica. Um, and they had a lot of just dud sets there for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, they had, you know, they had some good cards and they were fun and limited play, but we weren't seeing cards trickle into, you know, some cards would go into modern. We'd have one or one or two over two to three sets that trickled into legacy outside of the Eldrazi, you know, kind of creating a, a new archetype in multiple formats. Cons of Tarkir was sweet though. I just want to put that out there. Oh, I absolutely. Cons was just such a massive, massive design mistake. Um, <laughs> I enjoyed it though. <laughs> delve spells in general just sure. are they're too powerful for the format, and you know, outside of standard, and they're hard I mean, to they're hard to design in a balanced way for eternal formats. Yeah, well, and you know, I think cards like Tassiger were very interesting. I don't think that Gurmag Angler is an overpowered magic card. Yeah, but I but, hate it. Yeah, I mean, I hate it too. But the thing that that bothers me, I think, is that like that's an inherently broken mechanic. Um, and then we just kind of kept on the train of like you know broken mechanics and things like that. We right. saw that the flip planeswalker of uh, what was the two drop Jace that we had that. Oh, Jace you know, Friends Prodigy? Yeah, Jace Friends Prodigy. I mean, just such an absurd card. $100 standard cards? I yeah, remember those days. Yeah, I mean... You'd open Origins just playing the Jace Lottery. The EV was that good. Yeah, I mean, it and was And drink, it was I said EV. <laughs> yeah, I had to kick you in the balls for saying EV. <laughs> I had felt a little dirty saying it. Yeah. Um. So, anyway, I hope, moving I hope on. Sean O'Brien kicks you in the sack next time I see you <laughs> for mentioning EV. Anyway, um... But you know the the thing is is just I with I know that they they have to kind of try to find things to bring into the game, different mechanics to keep it interesting. And I just really feel like that there's certain mechanics that they just don't test enough outside sure. of anything other than standard and maybe like a modern game on a lunch break when they're drinking a beer in the break room. But like you got to you got to make mistakes to learn. So it's good that they're they're pushing it and they're trying to figure things out and i'd i'd rather them it's it's exactly like you mentioned when we're uh talking about theros and just theros block journey to nix uh born of the gods you mean journey into dicks yeah um and exactly that where the design philosophy was extremely conservative and you just ended up kind of having dud sets like sure you had uh, Eidolon of the Great Revel, you had a handful of cards that jumped their way into, uh, you know, mainstream continued uh, long play magic, but you, yeah, as, as a whole, the sets were kind of forgettable and didn't really have a whole lot going on for them. And They did. I will say that, you know, outside of uh, Legacy Vintage, um, they did. They did have impacts in things like EDH, which I've just recently started exploring. Um, as I, you know, I needed I needed a break from competitive play after EW. So sure. I've been playing with Patsy and Kingslayer. Um, so it's not like your average. That's fine. Like I've I found <laughs> that EDH is very dependent on the pod you're playing in, and yeah. 
Well, I was fortunately, say, Ther- Theros was like a gold mine for that. Sure. You know, um, for like the casual players. So, you know, it was a dud from the standpoint of where you and I look at it of like this, none of this shit is playable in legacy or vintage. Like, why did you even make this fucking block? Um, and then they, you know, they kind of follow up with, uh, what, what was it that came after that? Cons? Yeah, it was, it was cons block after that. Yeah. We had cons block, cons block destroyed legacy for a while, which we're, we're going to talk about with Zach Wilson in the future. Legacy and vintage were, Really, I think in some, you know, a, a pretty low point as far as diversity. It was okay. I wasn't playing either format at that point. Yeah. So it, <laughs> it was at a pretty low point. <laughs> With diversity, there was definitely a defined, like, best strategy to be playing at that time. And and that's fine. You know, there, that that is something about magic that happens. You're going to have right. new cards that break something. But it seems like this year has just been the year of broken card after broken card. Um, you know, in standard, they've basically banned all of the playable green cards outside of whatever the fucking Canadian goose was. Oh, Gilded Goose? Yeah, yeah. The the Gilded Goose, that one. Those are Canada's gooses. <laughs> These are Canada's gooses. You got a problem with Canada's gooses? <laughs> if you got a problem with Canada gooses, you got a problem with me, and I suggest you let that one marinate. <laughs> Fucking give your balls a tug, bud. Uh, anyways. The so, entire Hacks team's <laughs> fans of letter getting just yeah. as, a, yeah. as an aside. So <laughs> any uh, any any and all times that uh that, that show gets mentioned are hundred percent uh intended. Um so moving on, uh now that we kind of got a little bit of venting off our chest. Uh, let's talk about Ren and Six and Ren and Dix. Call it by its real name. <laughs> Ren, Ren and Six <laughs> and Dix. Um, when so let's let's start with how we felt uh, during spoiler season and when we first saw Ren and Six. So I remember seeing it and being like, "This card's really, really fucking good. I'm gonna play it in lands." And I. Th- think about a week or two before it came out you and i were having a conversation where we realized fuck this isn't a red green card this is a blue card yep just like every other good thing (laughs) yeah just like tarmogoyf is a blue creature yep you know doesn't pitch to force of will but it's yeah but it's blue um and it just seems like that modern horizons and what was the the ravnica set that came out with all the planeswalker or war of the spark yeah. Um, you know, coming coming in into those sets, I mean, there were a lot of cards that were very interesting. Um, Modern Horizons, I was exact, excited about the uh, Green Force, the Force of Vigor. That was a card that I yep. was really happy to see. Force of Negation was cool. Force of Negation, I thought was a great a great play design as not like an exact Force of Will, but something that was, you know, needed obviously in Modern, but also was something that um, would be good in vintage and also good in legacy. Um, that is a little more one-sided than just, Oh cool. I, I just like force. You can just pitch it whenever. Um, it, it was a more restrictive version. Um, so I thought that was a great play design. I thought Hogak was great for vintage dredge and legacy. I thought it was a horrible design mistake for modern, which it turned out to be. So I, I just think that the, the thing that I've seen with Modern Horizons, I think that anytime they try to print something 
to Eternal, they fuck it up. Like some of the Commander products have had cards in them that were just like True Name Nemesis comes to mind. Was oh, just you, I I thought that you had a Commander on here for uh uh you know the Teferi creature or the the mono blue Teferi Planeswalker. Yeah, I was. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Clearly, clearly, you couldn't be talking about True Name Nemesis. Well, you know, C- Commander did also give us like Toxic Deluge, which you know, great card, great card design. Or how about uh, Perennial <clears throat> All Star Flusterstorm? Flusterstorm, you know, so it gave us some cards that were obviously there to kind of help various formats, mm-hmm. but like True Name Nemesis, like was just a huge design mistake in yeah, and they, they readily admit that yeah, and hopefully someday we actually see that card get the axe just because it it's uh, derp derp derp. I brainstormed three times and I found my skill name Chimpasis. I guess I'm gonna such, win. It, it's it's just a, a problematic play pattern of oh well i resolved my unkillable thing i guess i win and and you know legacy is this big sea of this thing's unkillable except for blank and yeah. it's that except for blank that keeps the format playable yeah. uh trinium doesn't really have that yeah it's the except for you yeah <laughs> i can kill it but you can't so it's yeah, we're we're kind of getting a little off topic here, but uh, yeah, but I feel like that we're we're kind of building up to yeah. that point where it's this like true name nemesis was was one of those huge design mistakes in a like straight to eternal thing, right? Renan Dix was the exact same thing. I mean, I looked at the card and was just like, I, I mean, when I first saw yeah, we the thing we on saw Twitter, it and we went, oh, this is going to be you know a cool play option. Maybe you'll see one or two in lands, and then. Because, you know, we, we pretty much immediately picked up the whole... Uh, wasteland lock. Yeah, the, the, the Wasteland synergy and everything. But the big notice on that was, well, you know, fuck, this is, this is really a Delver card. Yeah, well, the, the ability to just shoot one toughness creatures is and, and so to, absurd. And to always make your land drops. You know, you, you play a Ren and Six and you recur your fetch land and all of a sudden like any any sort of mana denial strategy goes out the window yeah. um and actually that was that was one of the big things and we're we're wanting to talk about where we stand on the format uh later on but I, i'm gonna skip ahead just a tad bit uh okay. there for me where renin six in invalidated the kind of magic that i like to play and so it's it's existence and its ability to um, you know, recur wastelands to blow out uh, the soul index. Its ability to recur fetch lands to uh, invalidate mana denial. Its ability to ping one toughness creatures, of which you know most of the um, whether you whether you really consider it true prison or not, or just um, the mana denial tempo strategies uh, like. Uh, Death and Taxes, or Steel Stompy, or Eldrazi could be, or or things like that, where um, it it just, it invalidated what I like to do in the format, and when we hit that point, that was kind of when I needed to step back, and I I couldn't bring myself really to play Legacy, because I didn't care about the format anymore. It It was one of those things that I... It, the format wasn't fun. I didn't have the play patterns that I enjoyed. 
Um, and I couldn't play them to any reasonable degree. And so seeing Ren and Six end up exactly where we expected it to in, you know, Rug Delver, uh, Canadian Threshold, whatever you want to call it. Uh, or the uh, the check pile, like, four color right. lists. Or Snow Control. <laughs> I know. I, I, yeah. I stopped really paying attention for a little while. I, I saw mention of those things, and it just kind of sounded like, you know, the end game of where you end up when uh, you have perfect mana and the color pie doesn't matter. So, yeah, I, I know for me, like, so the, my two favorite decks to play are, uh, lands and Tesserator. So obviously I, I love fucking blowing people's lands up and just not letting them play magic. And I know for me was like the card got printed and I was like, holy shit, this is going to be great in lands. And like the first time I went to an F and M, like, I don't know, probably three or four weeks after it came out, I'm playing lands and I'm just like blowing up dual lands and I see a deck, a three color deck with basics, and I literally lose to I have essentially wasteland slash strip mind you four turns in a row, and you're able to either recur them or get a fetch land to go get a basic. And yeah, also I have basic, so you can't do it back. And it's it's that point where it's like, oh, okay, well, fuck me then. Yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> I think the card is very very cool. Um, I, I'm hoping the price comes down a little bit. I'm I kind of want to try it out in like vintage lands. Um, I think that'd be cool. Yeah, I think it, I think it would be fun to play there. Um, and you know, vintage exists to be it's where all the broken things where, live. It's the island of yeah, misfit we, toys. We we take our uh, our egregious design mistakes and we have fun with them. Exactly. Um, and that's that's what vintage is for. And I feel like le- I legacy. Am okay with that. Yeah. Well, and I feel like legacy is where only like reasonable mistakes, like. I can't imagine Legacy with yeah, where, Treasure where Cruise ever again. Where your worst mistake is, well, that's not what we intended, but that's pretty cool. Yeah. Like, Vintage is where you go, oh, shit, guys. Yeah. <laughs> we fucked up. Yeah. Well, the, and the <laughs> thing with Legacy with cards like Renin 6, um, it, it just seems like that the color blue just ruins some of these cards. Like, if this card, if you mm. couldn't splash it in a blue deck would probably be fine in like a Jund list or red green lands. Sure. Um, and I think really it's the fact that the format is held together by fucking cantrips. But imagine, you know, you can cast a brainstorm and then recur your fetch land to have a perfect brainstorm every single time you fucking brainstorm. Yeah, I'm aware. Or you have a Jace down and just, you know, do, do the exact same thing and you just have everything that you want yeah the um the, you know cards on the table i actually don't know whether ren and six and uh jason line sculpture were ever played in the same deck i saw maybe one or two lists i saw maybe one or two lists they were kind of fringe very but early on but we you and i really don't need to go any further into um the dominance of blue and legacy you and i could talk about this until we're and pun 100 percent intended blue in the face well i think that so, I think that something really needs to be done in Legacy about mm-hmm. the number of cantrips. Like, okay, I get it. You know, Brainstorm is the fucking Hindu cow. We can't touch it. We can't do shit about it. But get rid of Ponder. Get, sure. get you know, get rid of Ponder. Leave Brainstorm. If it becomes a, a problem where preordain is a problem, get rid of it. Like, it, it just doesn't make sense to me that these decks are really only held together by fucking cantrips. And... 
like it shouldn't be one style of card that they have an infinite number of in blue is what holds these together where there aren't other archetypes in the format that have that luxury like chalice decks you have to make so many sacrifices to play a chalice deck what sacrifices do you have to make and the designs interesting yeah you don't have to make sacrifices to play a blue deck in legacy it's just okay well you do the sacrifice is just losing to the chalice deck <laughs> you know and the thing is with the run in six decks i played chalice and i mm-hmm. it, didn't it didn't matter because everyone it was all full of two drops yep yep so i just don't understand how they didn't realize that this was a, a blue card but i i really do kind of wonder if vintage and legacy need a different uh, rule set for planeswalkers. Like we used to have kind of almost like a legend rule for them. Um, mm-hmm. I, you know, I just feel like at this point, the format is so dominated by planeswalkers as is vintage that maybe it's time to give those formats their own set of rules for that because, or return to the old planeswalker rule where like, you can only have one Jace planeswalker. You can only have one Teferi planeswalker. Like, Maybe going back is well. I th- going to help. Yeah, us. and I just wonder because it just it's so absurd at this point with like the fact that these formats are now defined by planeswalkers. Where mm-hmm. like I wouldn't get caught dead playing a fucking Yagmoth's bargain in vintage. Well, no, because Bolas has said it all is just better. Well, also during when <laughs> fucking Narset Party of Veils was. Uh, legal there was i mean it was unplayable you could you right. know it's like why would i even play this so a card that's not is too powerful for legacy but is shut down by a three mana uncommon planeswalker it just i just don't understand like what the bnr means like should we just have bargain in legacy because we can still have narset I, I just I don't understand it i wish that i could understand what what they're trying to do with these formats because what they're doing with the, um, I mean, we know that that bargains, not okay, right? Like, you definitely can't have that. And like, see, that the card's busted. But what deck can hard cast that? Okay, so storm hard cast it. Who said anything about uh, hard casting it? You you play it with Academy Rector, like, or you show just, and tell just like it. you do in vintage. Yeah, you know, but still, <laughs> I mean, you don't have flash for the rector. You know, you've got a show and tell. <laughs> sure. <laughs> So, <laughs> but you're you're telling me that uh, you can't cast a show and tell on turn one? I, I I'd like to disagree with you, sir. Yeah, but <laughs> I mean, do you really lose any harder to that than you do to fucking Gristlebrand on turn one from the non fucking blue deck? <laughs> so, I mean, let's uh, let's say we can. Like I said, we can talk about this until we're blue yeah, in the face. Yeah. Uh, bottom line: something needs to be done about cantrips and legacy. Um. And planeswalkers are just, they, they either don't do anything or they break the game. Uh, and something needs to change in how people are approaching those from a design standpoint, or we're going to just continue having the same problems. Yeah, it definitely. Um, so you want to uh, talk about uh, Narset in, uh, in Vintage and... Uh, you you wanted to talk about this specifically uh, from walking around the room uh, at EW, yeah, and just seeing just how dominant Narset was. Yeah, it when I was walking around the room uh, at EW, if someone wasn't playing DPS 
and it was a blue deck, they were playing Narset. And, you know, the, the question is, you know, it, on the surface, is the card too good for vintage that it should have been restricted? You know, I don't think, hey, the card was necessarily too good, but I think that the fact that it is blue, blue, colorless, if it had been a multicolor planeswalker that would have made it slightly more restrictive, say like Dak Faden or Oko, um, then maybe it would have been okay to let it live in in vintage. But the fact that you could just go turn one Lotus Narset out of any blue deck um, really was an issue. And it really just seemed like it shut down um, so many strategies that, you know, are interesting in the format, you know, like the fact that you see an Oath deck, a PO deck, a Xerox deck, and, you know, insert another blue deck. Well, we'll just say thieves and they all have Narset. You know, you could just walk down the, the rows at champs and everybody had a Narset on board unless they were playing DPS. So I, I do think that the fact that we saw seven of eight at champs in the top oh, eight, seven of the eight decks had it like, no, I'm not surprised the, the, the card is absurd. I think it's going to be a one of in blue decks from now on, kind of like how Lodestone Golem is a one of in a shops deck, whether you're playing yep. Ravager shops or you're playing, you know, stacks. Like, I just think that it's that kind of card. Um, and some of it was they just didn't think, hey, cool, like this three drop Planeswalker. It seems like the Planeswalkers that see the most play nowadays are the ones that are under four. Yeah. And, you know, and that's kind of kind of what's what's interesting. And the thing is, like walking around the room, you would think like mud decks get to just ignore that. Um, but the thing is, is that it, it, the fact that they could impulse for answers, well, you know, like the fact that you weren't penalized for running like pyroblast in your main deck that you could just like, Oh, I, I have three narsets. So I saw it in my narset pile. Well, that card sucks. So does mental misstep. I'll bottom those two. Hey, cool. I have a shattering spree or, you know, it's just, well, so we also have, uh, on that. Note there was kind of a uh, a muddling effect, and we don't really we can't really separate them uh, from each other. But the presence of Oko at Eternal Weekend, uh, which was largely there, and we were laughing about this, but it is true, um, it was largely there so that Moxon and Lotus uh, could be used to attack opposing Narsets. Yeah. Um, and I think, yeah, it really was, you know, and, and watching the finals of the tournament, I mean, Joe Brennan, I mean, I I think wholeheartedly that the fact that he had the card in his list and that he was like, you know, all over the, like making Moxon and things into an elk to attack the Narset to get back up, you know, ahead of your opponent on card advantage. It's, it just kind of seemed like almost like the misstep versus sphere issue, where we kind of are just getting past that, but then we had a, a Narset versus Oko issue that kind of popped up. Like, I think Oko is a great card. Do I think that it is going to be uh, as prevalent in Vintage? I think it'll probably... We'll see it in 20 to 22% of decks, which I don't think is is bad. Not in Vintage, where where those those numbers... You, you either see uh, a large metagame share or virtually nothing. Yeah, I mean, I think Narset being above 40%, I mean, that was clearly, it was getting played more than Preordain. Sure. Like, that's an issue. 
Um, yeah. I don't think that Oko is a problem in vintage. I actually think it's a, it's a, a no. hilarious thing to see. Like, hey, nice sphere of resistance. Have an elk. You know, I think it gives blue decks another way to fight the shops decks, which I think is probably one of the reasons why blue did well against shops this year. Yeah, I kind of want to go on on that rant, but I'll, I'll spare people. I don't. I don't think. I think that your concession for playing blue is that you lose to mud, but that's that's neither here nor there. Yeah, well, traditionally that's what we've seen, but you know, between Narset being able to dig and then Oko being able to just like invalidate things, it really seems like blue, like mid range, seems to be kind of one of the like one of the best, if not the best, strategy in vintage. But it was also one tournament. You know, and moving forward right. with a one Narset environment, do we see shops kind of take back a a little more, you know, of the, the top eight? I, I think we do. I think that Narset kind of propelled the blue decks to be just faster because a turn one or turn two Narset was not that far off. And you're just digging for cards, digging for cards. You play your next Narset, you do the same thing, you counter or answer whatever your opponent's doing. And right. you're just sitting there like, grinding through your deck and picking whatever you need until you can eventually, you know, land a Tarmogoyf or land a Pyromancer or land, you know, whatever it is that you're running uh, as your finisher in the deck. I think you could probably run fucking Hydroid Crisis if you really wanted to. But yeah, I think I think that, that it definitely had a uh, an impact on champs as far as what we saw for the top eight. Um, I'm personally glad it's gone. Um, I think I think that it was just a... A, a terrible card to have to play against. I think that the one-sided planeswalkers uh, are just not good for the. I agree. They're just not good for the game. I just don't think that they're good play design for actual eternal formats. Like let the children and modern have those, but like restrict them in vintage. Just all of them right now. I'm down for restrict all uh, all planeswalkers. Actually, let, let me. Uh, I'll I'll qualify that statement. Restrict. Every Planeswalker that isn't Dak Vaden. I will give the blue decks as many Dak Vadens as they want. Um, that, that actually seems pretty fair. Like, I think that that card uh, lends itself well to what I think the the mud and blue relationship should well, be. Well, the fact that, that Dak Vaden was below Narset and Oko at Champs is is alarmingly telling. yes i i think that that's that's a bit telling do i think that oko is the next one to get the axe i hope probably i not. hope not because i think that it it i mean there's nothing better than being like nice fucking elk but you know i i think that it, it leads to some interesting deck choices because green historically has not been a super strong color in vintage you know it's been a splash color for sylvan library tarmogoyf or um What's the flashing back ancient? Grudge. Yeah, ancient grudge. Uh, I mean, unless you're playing oath, of course, oath needs the green. But you know, you think about a lot of the mid range decks. It was mostly a splash outside of oath. Right. Um, we had bug decks that have been, you know, kind of ebbed and flowed over the years. Um, I think Deathrite Shaman kind of helped pull those decks together a lot in vintage. I think that Narset has obviously boosted that up quite a bit. Um, and I think Oko is honestly a great addition to the deck. And I think that it keeps that deck viable by even, you know, 
you're kind of axing the narsets, but they can make a food token and then next turn make it into a 3-3, you know, that might be good enough for them to chump block a Lodestone Golem or a Chief of the Foundry to kind of like try to get back into a shop's matchup. And I, I think that that's, that's something that's kind of, you know, good for the format overall, but maybe maybe long term we may look back on this and and you're going to say Jamie you're a fucking idiot we should have just banned Oko and Narset at the same time but i i am interested to see where the format shakes out now i'm glad to see the card gone uh and i'm i'm excited to try a one narset world i may even run draw sevens yeah it's it's a brave new world and i i 100% agree on the philosophy with uh planeswalkers that or really anything that has uh, a one-sided effect, and we'll we'll talk about this more on the the future episode whenever we uh, have Zach Wilson on uh, to talk about the history of the BNR and uh, things that break formats. Where what makes a good lock piece uh, that's good for the game uh, is one where you have to break parity with your deck building decisions. Exactly. Um, where there's concessions made and design choices uh, in order to get around the restrictions and to, to break the parity of that card. But on its surface, that card needs to be symmetric uh, in order to force those kind of decisions. Um, so, obviously, Narset uh, breaks that. Uh, Karn the Great Creator was also the same way. Yeah, and definitely. Even even though you know I'm I'm a mud mage at my core, I was very happy to see that card go because it led to problematic gameplay. I will say of Oko that the ability to simply invalidate uh, these these traditionally super powerful lock pieces in the format. Um, I hope that if Oko sticks around, and if Oko stays at the level of play that we see, that we can finally look at unrestricting some of these things. Yeah. Um, maybe a, a thorn unrestriction, where you you need to do something to keep the the blue decks in check. Yeah, I, th- I think a hostage exchange... I, I never fully agreed with the thorn restriction. Uh, I thought it should have been sphere. Just this is my own personal uh, opinion on it. But I, I think mm-hmm. that we discussed that on a previous. Yeah, episode, yeah, we we did, and I, and I think that just we either need like a two drop planeswalker null rod to give shops something to deal with this card type that outside of combat damage they can't deal with. You know, I mean. The fact that they can nullify a Trinisphere, they can, you know, they play, you know, blue players on the play, they go turn one, land, mox, mox, Oko, your shop's opponent, kept their hand based on Trinisphere, doesn't matter, they get a 3-3 Elk, and, you know, of course your blue opponent is going to have some sort of answer for it right after that. Um, And I think that that's just something that is a bit problematic, because, um, and it's something we should keep an eye on, but yeah. I don't think is overtly uh, ban-worthy. Oh, no, I'm not saying it's ban-worthy right worthy now. Yet. I just think that yeah. the importance of having shops in the format is is really 
critical to keep combo decks from just absolutely dominating, you know, the format. We've we've seen in the past where PO was at a point where it was, you know, probably restriction worthy. We got some new printings. It kind of dumbed that down a little bit. Narset just got hit, so PO, you know, could be on the chopping block as well coming up soon, depending on, you know, I would not be surprised if we see PO lists playing, you know, two to three Okos now to get rid of Null Rod, to get rid of Sphere, you know, yeah, a Sphere effect. So just give me back Thorn. We'll be good. Yeah, I, I, you know, and the thing is, I love stacks. I miss the old stacks lists. Um, I'm not a big fan of like the Ravager shops types list, but I think that. Yo, dog, have you read Root Maze? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that, you know, it's it's something that's important in the format. I know there at least once a year somebody bitches about Mishra's workshop, and I just want to laugh at them. Like I I am not a mud mage. I play blue all the time in vintage. Like if I'm not playing lands, I play blue. I would love to play shops. I I love the deck. Cost is the thing for me, not being able to play it. But it's something where I appreciate that the deck is in the room and helps to be kind of one of the the things that l- keeps the format in check. So that you know, I don't. It's part of the circle of life. Yeah, it's it's where you go to die. You play a blue deck, you have a shops opponent, and then you die. So anyway, as it should be. How do you feel about legacy? I mean, we we've kind of bitched about you know policy and design mistakes and mm-hmm. things like that. But where where are you at with legacy? Kind of now that we've we've had the kind of boogeyman that you and I were both super pissed about when we realized it was a blue card um, out of the format. Uh, so I'm more willing to uh, to take it back out for a spin. Uh, locally, Legacy is kind of on a hiatus. Uh, most of our locals are you know, professionals, family-oriented, uh, family any of this stuff. And we're all kind of busy coming into the holidays. So through the end of November and through December, we've put our local Legacy on hiatus until January. Uh, but come January, I can see myself uh, coming back to the format. Yeah. And actually playing more. My... Uh, I was to the point my Mox Opals and everything were in my trade binder ready to uh, ready to be shipped and now they can come out. Uh, I can play uh, what for me was a new toy in the last year of Steel Stompy. I was you know one of the decks that I've had the most joy playing in my time in Legacy and I felt that the deck was just unplayable in the, the previous iteration of the format. So I'm hoping that I can pull that back out. And I'm not expecting to do amazing with it, but at least be able to hold my own again. Yeah, it was... Well, you know, it was... You and I both kind of really got a kick in the nuts when Renin 6 became a blue card um, a week before it got printed and we realized it because you know that I, I love playing Tesserator. It's one of my absolute favorite decks to play. I love playing lands. And it just kind of invalidated my two favorite decks to play. Steel Stompy is so reliant on that one toughness spot with Revoker, Steel Overseer, uh, even just a Ballista turn one that's a 1-1 that, you know, it kind of sucked to see you and I both kind of have this feeling of like we have been 
hardcore legacy players for years. We've known each other for years, had many laughs playing janky, shitty brews against each other. Even back at a time where I was a blue player in, uh, in, in legacy, but it's been, you know, it was just hard to, to think like, Hey, I, I love this format, but I don't enjoy it. And I think that having that card out of the format is a, a net positive overall. I do feel bad for people that were paying a hundred dollars for this card and it got banned. That's why you shouldn't buy planeswalkers, you know, that are a hundred dollars. You should just, you know, buy reserve list cards and expand your collection. I, you and I, I think had a discussion back in like August or September, uh, where I think it was after GP Atlanta, we had a private conversation mm-hmm. talking about the fact that we really thought that run in six was the next card that was going to get the ax in, in legacy because it just destroyed the color pie and wizards has realized that when the format doesn't have a color pie, that that's when the player base as a whole is not happy and the play experience is not something that people enjoy. Um, so I, you know, I think I'm, I may hit like a, a legacy F and M in December, uh, just to kind of go, go, brush the dust off. I have not played legacy since before GP Atlanta. So, you know, it'll be good to, to brush the dust off a little bit, go, go play, play some, play some legacy and kind of see where the format is at. I think it's basically just going to revert back to where it was. And we'll see like the astrolabe decks as kind of one of the newer strategies that's in the format, which I think, you know, for right now is a good thing to kind of see a deck that can, Mm -hmm make some concessions and have to play snow covered basics and stuff. So, you know, we'll see where it's at in six months. Do I think that they're going to fuck it up and break the format again? Most definitely. There'll be something that they do. If it's in the next set, the set after it, it just inevitably seems to happen in legacy where they print something that invalidates the color pie. We have to fix it. Or, it, you know, for example, the idea of like terminus top counterbalance where it just invalidated anything that your opponent wanted to do. And, you know, they probably let that one live too long in legacy. And I think that they have started as like a BNR policy to listen to players who are passionate about the format. Now that it's something that we probably aren't going to see a legacy GP this year. Well, for the community. Yeah. I think it becomes more of a community driven format, like vintage, old school. And I think that we, you know, with SCG kind of pulling back on the tour, but still supporting it at uh, SCG Con, barring anything just absolutely being broken going into SCG Con, I'm excited. I'll probably play Vintage and Legacy that weekend um, just to support Star City and their support of the format and trying to have uh, these bigger events that, that, you know, have I think that SCG Con has become almost like a marquee event for mm-hmm. the East Coast players, much like Eternal Weekend. So, especially for vintage, it's it's very nice to have uh, the return of the Power Nine series, and I really hope that they keep that going because um, it it was finally the the last missing piece in the equation of getting me into uh, into paper vintage and specifically into powered paper vintage. So. I hope that that sticks around because I think it's been uh, net positive. I I do too. Uh, for the um, I also think that you know adding old school to the event like offsite where it feels mm-hmm. it feels like an old school event like it is something that Star right. City's hosting but it, it's not in a convention hall it's it's at a bar 
that they have Eternal Central with Jaco come in and you know kind of run an event Jaco style, and I think that that really right. is just a fantastic thing that they've done. It shows they get it. They do. It's it- like you 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 see it with uh, with old school at the Magic Fests uh, or the on-site at... It's fucking miserable. At, exactly, at Eternal Weekend, where they don't really get it. Everything's still... It, it's it's just like a normal magic event, but with old cards. Uh, and that that's that's not old school. So I am... It, it's nice to see a large TO really get it and understand the spirit yeah. of the format and go... Yeah, you know, we'll be happy to have this as part of the festivities for the weekend. You guys know what you're doing. You guys know what you want. Here, have this. Yeah, and I, you know, I really commend them for that. And it's it's something where, you know, obviously they, they're having to pull it from the tour. I know a lot of people are butthurt about it, but, but I get it. I mean, they're, number one, a business. Number two, they are... A, a to they they have to be able to make money off of this. It's not like me hosting an event at my house with sixteen people and that's a good turnout. You know they need hundreds of people to show up, pay entry fees, buy cards, and you know Legacy. They still had the Worcester event, which was was you know kind of their last gasp in in it. And I think when they were starting to get below like seven hundred players, that that was kind of a. Uh, a sign that that they would needed to move on, mm-hmm. um, but I am glad they're keeping support and that they're supporting legacy, old school, and vintage at the SCG cons. Um, I heard this past SCG con this previous weekend was a fantastic event. They had legacy side events, um, and they were firing. So you know, legacy is not gone. It's just going to be people not bitching about that it's off the tour. And yeah, maybe you turn this into a travel weekend and you go to one less modern GP and you stop bitching about points and this kind of thing. And you just go play a format you enjoy. And I think that that's ultimately where legacy should end up. I think it it should end up as a format that is more community driven. People enjoy it. Um, Obviously, the cost is a huge hindrance to a lot of people over the last couple of years. And I like that Wizards is looking at vintage more than they have and that they're looking at legacy, you know, and that they're listening to the player base and they're actively trying to make changes to make it an enjoyable play experience for some of their most invested players. Um, That is something that I I will commend them on um, despite all of their massive fuck ups in the last year that they've printed into these formats. Yeah. So over under on the format having, at least one dumpster fire moment in the next year. I'll give it a 70%. Mm. I think Damn. there's a possibility they try to dial back the power level over yeah, the trend, next year. Well, you, you, I think you hit it straight in the sweet spot because I'm trying to pick an over, I'm trying to pick the, the over or under and I'm actually having kind of a difficult time. <laughs> Um, you know what? I'm going to, I'm well, going to take the, just say, as, as a cast, let's just say as a cast, we'll go 70% that, that they print something because you and I've sure. discussed it and we, we both kind of think that that's where it's at. It's like, it's more in the, yes, something's going to break again. It's just a question no. of how bad. 
Um, yeah. And in in that regard, because we're we're taking lessons learned, I think I'm going to take the optimistic line uh, and take the under on that. I think that something's okay. probably going to be too strong for something, uh, whether it's legacy or vintage, I don't know, or either. But I want to think that we're we're going to take lessons learned from the mistakes of this year and it's going to be not that bad yeah i think it's going to go one way or the other i think they're they've already got these Mm -hmm. sets in the can and they just kind of continued down the path of like we're going to print powerful cards so when we were talking about standard uh when we were talking about standard bannings earlier that was initially one of the reasons that uh, certain things had to be banned. So the the Aetherworks Marvel deck with Ulamog the Seas Hunger, uh, with uh, Emmercool. That deck all was of badass. That stuff, it, it was really fun, actually, to watch on uh, the PT uh, because everyone just kind of partied when someone whiffed on a, on a Marvel activation. But um, <laughs> those, those cards were never meant to be in the same standard when they were designed. Um, it was because they uh, changed the standard rotation and then changed it back that yeah they went they were doing what like four sets oh don't ask standards, me. so it was that, like a one year rotation whole, the new rotation was so weird and then they went right back and it was just like whiplash I I I probably knew how it worked at one point but I never really paid a whole lot of attention to it. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I didn't. I haven't paid attention to standard in a while. Like, I enjoy watching the pro tour, but I do think that you know it, it ebbs and flows. And I wonder if this was an ebb year where we just we see a lot of new cards come into Eternal, and the next year or two we see sets that they've underpowered quite a bit in order to kind of keep keep right. from breaking things. Like they kind of have learned their lesson. So it's. It can go go either way, but I I really do think they're on this path of like printing mm-hmm. powerful cards. Like that's kind of my my thing is I wouldn't be surprised if we see at least one to two restrictions next year in vintage and one banning in in legacy and it, and it being a card that has been printed in the last year and a half. I think in vintage, and call me a blind optimist. I think in vintage we may see our first unrestriction since fast bond next year so what do you what do you think that they might unrestrict i mean i'm just i'm just curious i'm just asking like what what you could see being unrestricted and if you say gush i swear to god i'm just gonna hang up on this fucking call no it's not gonna be a blue tool i i think as things stand currently we might see a thorn unrestriction you know you know i could i could see that like I think that maybe the number of tools that blue that blue has gotten mm-hmm. with the planeswalkers, it, it could be time to beef mud a little bit. The other the other really great part of Thorn specifically is that the is how much of a boon it is to the unpowered Eldrazi deck. Well, also the the mm-hmm. humans decks, the tribal decks. I mean, goblins used to be a deck. In I'd Vintage. love to see that again. I and fucking love goblins. Or or Merfolk. I mean, Merfolk got just totally kicked in the knackers Fuck when Merfolk. they restricted Merfolk that because goblins. Yeah, but they don't even. It's a chalice deck. They don't play brainstorm. They play doesn't matter. You know, like <laughs> it's uses islands. Fuck them. <laughs> I'm just saying the tribal decks could use use a little love and vintage. I'd love to play some vintage humans. I don't actually hate Merfolk. You know, <laughs> just being an asshole. I mean, you know, Joel, Joel Lim fucking just schooled people that year. He won playing fucking Merfolk. Oh, for sure. 
So, yeah, I mean, I, I could see that happening. I could also see them being too scared that Ravager shops would just de facto become the strongest deck again. I'm cool with but that. I, yeah, I know <laughs> you are. But I I think that they're their policy towards the format really does show in the last like year and year and a half that they are listening. And I'm, I'm just excited to see kind of what happens in the next year. This being our announcement, like I've been so happy this, this whole year with the eternal formats with the BNR, like you and I have talked about them Mm -hmm. and you and I have both been giddy as a schoolgirl sometimes seeing like, holy shit, they restricted misstep. They restricted Golgari Grave Troll. They unrestricted Fast Bond. You know, uh, this time they, they hit they banned Ren, Ren and Dicks. Dicks. Yeah. They, they banned Ren and Dicks. They hit Narset Party of Veils. You know, I mean, she's done with the Beverly Hills 90210 party now. So it's, it's just one of those things where I, I am really happy to see that they are listening to the community and realize that the community is what are keeping these formats alive, not them. Right. So on that note, uh, is there anything that you want to uh, talk about or are we ready to wrap this tonight? I think we should wrap it with a uh, requisite fuck brainstorm. Yeah. Fuck brainstorm and fuck modern. <laughs> I don't All right. hate modern. Oh, fuck modern. <laughs> fuck you, rich. <laughs> I don't like playing with children. All right. On that note, everybody have a great night. Yep. We will catch you guys on the next episode. Have a great evening. Adios. Peace. Who you think taught you to smoke trees? Who you think brought you to ODs? Easy E's, Ice Cubes, and DOCs. The Snoop Deal Double G's. And the group that said, motherfucker, police. Gave you a tape full of dope beats to bump when you stroll through in your hood. And when your album sales wasn't doing too good, who's the doc that he told you to go see? Y'all better listen up closely. All you niggas that said that I turn pop or the fern flop. Y'all are the reason that Dre ain't been getting no sleep. So fuck y'all, all of y'all. If y'all don't like me, blow me. Y'all are gonna keep fucking around with me and turn me back to the old me. 